You know, can we can we do something before we sit down? Can we can we just can we just give the Lord some praise? Can we just do it a little bit loudly? Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. We thank you. Hallelujah. Woo. All right, give somebody a hug as you sit down and Thank you. All right. Well, God is not done this morning. We we got a awesome time in God's word. And so we're going to we're going to do something a little bit different here. We're going to we want to start with the with the whole story this morning uh because there can be no resurrection without death. Uh there could be no hope without first having disappointment and hopelessness. There can be no healing without brokenness. And so we're going to we're going to start there and you'll see you'll see today we've we do have the, the cross up, and uh, we have the empty tomb. And so we want to go from, from before the cross um, all the way to the empty tomb this morning. And you may have heard the story a hundred times. You may have heard the story for the first time today. But this is the good news. We're going to hear the good news today. And so I've asked, um, I've asked uh, John to come. And he's going to do he's going to do one thing. First of all, he's going to present the gospel message, and also draw a picture as he's doing it. And so this does two things. Number one, it gets us all to understand what is the good news. We need to know what the good news is. We need to know why we're celebrating. If you're wondering why these people are all happy, why people are lifting their hands up, why people are just doing all kinds of crazy stuff that you may never have seen before except at a football game. Um, it's, excuse me, it's because of Jesus. And because we've received the good news, we believe the good news, we've been freed by the good news, and we want to share the good news now. And so, but the second thing it does is if you already know the good news and you're already a child of God, you received Jesus into your heart, you trusted him for your salvation, then this is a way for you to draw a picture. You can draw this picture on a napkin if you're talking to someone. If you got your iPad with you, you got a little drawing app, you could draw it on your iPad. Uh, find, you know, don't draw on public property or anything, you know. Just because it's like Jesus, it, does, it still doesn't become good. But, you know, anything else, anything that you should draw on, okay, um, you can use this to share the good news. So it's twofold. We're hearing the good news, but we're also being equipped to share the good news. And so, John, come on, come on up and take it where it needs to go. All right. I'm going to move this. Morning. Before we start, I just want to open up in a word of prayer. Is that all right? God, we just pray. We come before you right now with arms open, hearts open. Father, to hear your message. It's the reason you came. It's the reason you died. It's the reason you resurrect. It's the reason we have hope. It's the reason you love. It's the reason we love. It is the kingdom come. Your will be done. Father, right now, I just pray in this room that any spiritual bondage, anything to keep us from engaging into your Holy Spirit, I break it in the name of Jesus. And I release your Holy Spirit in this place. Lord, would you speak to us clearly, plainly? 
and allow us to change our hearts to look more like Jesus. Mm. Father, there's people in here who are broken. There's people in here who are tired. There's Christians in here, seekers in here who are tired, God, of the same thing over and over, day in and day out, and they want real, authentic relationship. And Lord, I ask that the Holy Spirit would come and convict their hearts this morning for a deeper relationship with you, to lay down their lives for your sake, God, just like you laid down your life for ours. Breakthrough in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys tell me when it's a good spot. Come on. I can't do this by myself. Right here? Over here. No, back up a couple steps. Right here. We're good? You guys can see? I'll pick it up if I need to. Okay, they want it over there. No? All right, I'm done messing around. Love it. Okay, this morning I'm going to tell you a story. And I'm not an artist. So when John says draw, it's more like doodle. You know what doodles are. You do it in class or you do it at work. Okay? So let's start. This is the earth in which we live. That's supposed to be the United States, United Kingdoms. Right, and then we got Africa down there. Oh, and then we'll, we'll guess we'll add Central and South America. Right? That's the earth. The Bible that I read tells us that God created the heavens and the earth. He created both the waters and the land, the birds of the air and the fish of the sea. And He created every critter, bug, and insect. That crawls along. But he also created something else. It was his masterpiece. He was so filled with joy to do so that he said, Let us make man and woman in our image. And so he created man. And he put them on the earth. He said, I give this to you. My creation, I give it to you. You have complete dominion over this place. Tend to it. Care for it. Because it's yours. He placed them in the Garden of Eden. It was a special place where there was a couple of trees. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life. And he said, whatever you do, don't eat from these trees. Because God had a purpose for man. It wasn't just that he created them for nothing. He created them for life and peace. I had to practice spelling these words. <laughs> God created man for life. And I'm not talking about that we just can breathe, we have a pulse. I'm talking about that we live a life worth living, that we have an abundant life, an overflowing life, that we actually enjoy waking up instead of regretting going to work or whatever it is that you do. We have life. We live in peace. In a world today that is filled with chaos and, and just war and people going every which way. I'm talking not just peace with fellow man. I'm talking peace within ourselves. You know what I'm talking about? That that war that's inside your mind or inside your heart that keeps you fighting all the time, keeps you confused. You don't know which way to go because you don't have peace. You see, man made a decision in the garden. He decided to disobey God. And when he ate the fruit from the tree, 
sin entered the world. And when sin entered, man and God were separated. See, God used to come and walk with man in the garden. He used to have fellowship with him. They would walk and talk as if me and you were to go on a walk down the street. That's how deep and intimate Adam and Eve knew the Father. That word know is the same word that they use for Abram to know Sarah. For myself to know my wife or you to know your spouse. It's that intimate, one-of-a-kind closeness. That's how they knew God. But when sin entered the world, they were cut off. It separated God because God is light and in Him there is no darkness. And so He cannot be where darkness is. And darkness cannot be where He is. So we are separated. And because of this, instead of having life and peace, we settle for cheap, inexpensive, worthless things such as conflict and fear. We'll fight with ourselves in the mirror if it comes to it. I even read that there's a fear of boogers. Maybe, maybe my boogers. But, but we are so afraid of the dark, of, of being exposed, of being vulnerable, of being abandoned, of not finding a place to belong. And so we fight and we quarrel with ourselves. We quarrel with each other. We're looking out for number one, and so nobody else really matters. And if they get in our way, we'll step on them. And that's what sin has brought for us. And that's where I think we can all relate in some way to how we're living today. That's where we are in the world. There's probably maybe 100 people in this room. And there's 7 billion on the planet. 7 billion. And every single living person struggles with this. Every one of them. So what happens is man, from the beginning of time, develops the thing we like to call religion. And it's his way of getting to God. So what does he do? He does, he walks Mrs. Norris across the street. Kind thing, civil thing to do. He also refuses to cuss. He lets no foul language come out of his mouth. He doesn't eat pork. Pig is, pig is gross. Let's try this out. He memorizes some sort of holy book. He goes to church. But no matter how much good man and woman does, it is not within our power to remove sin. The Bible tells us that if you, there's 613 laws and 10 commandments in the Old Testament. God spelled it out very clear. If you want to be holy like I am holy, you must do every single law without fail. If you miss one, you miss them all. You're guilty of breaking the entire law. It does not matter if you're 99 years old and then on your last day living, you broke it. Guess what? You're a sinner and sin has now separated you. 
God knew this, so he couldn't just defeat Satan. Because the problem is not so much in Satan, but in Mark chapter 7 it says the problem is in man's heart. Out of man's heart comes lust, adultery, murder, wickedness, anger, malice, intent. It's the problem is in us, and we don't have the power to break it. God knew this, so he had a plan. He sent his son, Jesus Christ. God himself, wrapped in flesh to live a life as a man. Submitted to the Holy Spirit power and walking in it. Jesus lived 33 years on this earth. Every day, he submitted to the will of the Father. Every day, he only said what the Father said. He only did what the Father did. And he leaned and he trusted on the Holy Spirit's power to get him through. It says that Jesus did not consider equality with God as something to cling to. So he humbled himself and became a man. Because of this, and his preaching the kingdom come, religious leaders were not happy with him at all. But before I go further with this, I want to stop. And I want you to hear just some very simple words. We now know that we are trapped in our own sinfulness. But Jesus in John chapter 14 verses 18 says this. He says, I will not leave you orphans. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. John 14 verse 18. I will come to you. Guys, I've studied all the major world religions. In every religion, there's a system set up. If you will do good, you get good. If you will just be a good person, one day you'll get to heaven. Every religious system. Some don't even believe in heaven. They just believe being a good person gets you there. But guys, that's not it. You can't do enough to be good enough. You can't work yourself into salvation. You can't work yourself into right standing with God anymore. It doesn't work like that. And God, Jesus himself knew this. And so he says, instead of you coming to me, I will come to you. And because of that, the religious leaders crucified him. It was the death penalty of the day. They didn't like what he was saying. They didn't like what he was preaching. They didn't like what he was doing because he was disrupting their religious system. It wasn't no longer don't murder. He said don't have hate in your heart because it's like committing murder anyways. He took it up a whole nother standard, but it was filled with grace and love and acceptance. He hung out with prostitutes. He hung out with tax collectors who were thieves basically. He hung out with the worst of the worst to prove that God loved knows no bound, and you're not too far gone. And if you're lost, you're found in him. I will come to you, Jesus, pursuing us. It's a radical idea in a religion at this time, and it still is, because who in the right mind would think the God of the universe would come down, humble himself, and be like one of us so that he can save all of us? Even though we're not worthy. But because of this, 
He was held on the cross by three nails. Or they nailed him to the cross, I should say, with three nails. Two in his hands and one in his both feet. But it wasn't those nails that kept him there. Romans 5, 8 says that God demonstrated his love in this, that while we were still sinners, still in the midst of making those decisions, still in the midst of leaving God and trying to pursue him with our actions, validating our relationship with him by doing something good, giving to the poor, coming to church, reading our Bible. We're trying to validate that we know Jesus or we have relationship with some deity. It was his love that held him to the cross. And because of that, he wipes away our sin. His blood shed for us cleanses the slate. Look, God and man now have a bridge to connect them once again. That relationship, that intimacy that we had in the garden is possible now because of Jesus. There's a, in John 14 or maybe 15, he says, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you. He was with you, but he will be in you. He will be in you. God, the same power that lived in Jesus and allowed him to walk that, now is available to anyone and everyone who will come to faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus wasn't the only one who was crucified on that day. There's two other men crucified, both criminals, both trialed and convicted, both deserving of the crucifixion. Unlike Christ, who was innocent. One man looks at Jesus and he mocks him. He says, if you're the son of God, why don't you get us down? The Bible tells us that because of his unbelief in Jesus Christ, he was separated from God forever. Because of his unbelief, he spends eternity away from the Father. The other man looks at Jesus and he says, Son of God, Jesus Christ, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. Jesus looks at him and says, Today you will be with me in paradise. And the Bible tells us that because of what Jesus proclaimed, this man now spends eternity with the Father in that relationship that was once was lost. Hear this. If you don't hear anything else, hear this. Both of these men deserved the cross. Both of these men messed up. One spends eternity with God and the other does not. Why? Because Jesus' blood covers a multitude of sin. It doesn't matter. Listen, church, I'm talking to you. It doesn't matter if you've been a Christian for the last 30 years of your life and all you're doing is trying to validate relationship with God and building your little tower of Babel to get to Him because you feel so lost. Or maybe you've never heard the gospel before in your life. And this is the first time you're seeing from Genesis, the creation of the world, to the end of John, Jesus crucified. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what you've said, where you've been, who you've hurt. 
the thing that will keep you from being in His presence is not believing who He said He was. It's by faith that we come to the Father. It's through the gate. It's through the door of Jesus Christ. In relationship with Him, we have relationship with the Father. Because if we see Him, we know the Father. If we know Jesus, we know the Father. They're one and the same. My question today, and I want to take some time right here, before we go any further. If you have never said yes to Jesus, realized your sin and needed His mercy, needed what He was doing right here, I want to give you an opportunity to stand up right now and accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. If you've never accepted Jesus, stand up right where you are. John 16 says that the Holy Spirit comes to convict us of sin, to convict us of righteousness and of the coming judgment. I believe some of you are feeling something in your heart might not be for salvation but it might be to stop validating your relationship with Jesus by trying to perform for him trying to do miracles for him trying to give people encouraging words all the time because you feel far from God so you need to do something so he'll come close to you he's already came as close as he can he's already done it it is finished on the cross one more time if you've never accepted Jesus now's your time don't be afraid Stand up, and we'll pray with you. Can I have some people gather around this lady? Can I get a little music? Another thing I want to pray for this morning, and this is to my Christians. And trust me, even this morning, I was struggling with this. And it's the validating our relationship. That we feel we have to come and read our Bibles in order to have a relationship with God. We don't know yet what it is to be a son or a daughter of the King. Because when you're a son or a daughter, it doesn't matter if you clean your room or you leave it dirty. It doesn't matter if you come home for Christmas. Nothing changes. You're still a son. You're still a daughter. You're just far. But some of you still see yourself as servants. Lord, I'll serve you with my life. I'll do whatever you say as long as you'll give me some of that grace and let me into the kingdom. That's that's not why he did. That's not why he came. He didn't come to have workers and servants. He came to have friends, brothers and sisters, sons and daughters that we could walk and talk and have relationship with Jesus, God the Father again. So Christian, this morning, if you're feeling like you have to validate your relationship, I want you to stand up and I want people to gather around you and pray that you would know the Father's love. If that's you, stand up. Be bold, Christian. Take a risk. Maybe you're stuck in a rut. You've got to do something different to get out. If that's you, 
We just ask that you stand up. I got one in the back. Can we have some leaders gather around here? Got one over here. Can we have some leaders gather around here? Believers, it doesn't matter if you're a leader in this church or not. If you believe in Jesus Christ, gather around these people. Come on, Christian, let's be real here. Stop playing church. Let's stop doing the little things to try to feel like we can have a relationship with God. But let's be Christ. Let's know Him. The intimate, marriage-like knowledge of God is available to you right now. You do not have to leave this church and still wonder. Still feel lost. Still feel like you're going to work every day without a cause. That you have no purpose in your life. It's not just for the adults. Students, this is for you too. This relationship is for everybody. Young, old, it doesn't matter. Jesus makes the way. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And everybody will come to the Father only through Him. It's time that we know God in that intimate way. And that way we can be sons and daughters. And out of that, we'll do whatever He asks us to do. But we live in that relationship. In John 15, verses 9, this is the last thing before I'm done. It says, As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy joy may be full. Ashley spoke about sorrow, burdens this morning as we opened up, and God wants to release joy into your life again, that you would have peace in your heart, and He wants to give you that. Every day you wake up, not just Sunday for Easter, but a lifelong relationship. Life and peace. And if you're wondering, like, how can I keep his commandments? How can, it's so hard. There's 613, 10 commandments. How can I do it? And he says in verse 12, listen closely. He says, this is my commandment. That you love one another as I have loved you. Listen, he says, if you will keep my commandments, you will remain in my love. And what is his commandment? To love. It's simple. To love. To love God, the Father, as with all of our heart, soul, power, strength, everything that we got, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. It's simple. That's the gospel. That's the Bible. From Genesis to the end. Love God, love man. If you'll do that, you'll remain in me. You'll abide in me. You'll dwell in me. You'll live in me. Skip down to verse 17, and he spells it out even clearer for those of us who are a little bit dense. He says this, These things I command you, that you love one another. His burden is easy, and his yoke is light. It's not a to-do list, Christians. It's not a don't touch. It's a come and dwell. Come and see that I am good. Come and find peace and life. Father, Holy Spirit, sweep in this place right now.
sweep in this place, God. Lord, I pray that with every eye closed, you'd begin to speak to your people. Because that's who we are. We are your people and you are our God. Father, show us your love. Show us your love. I pray that we would come to know you as a father. And that we would see ourselves as sons and daughters walking with you. No more, no less. Regardless of how far or close we are. I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Lord. I was wondering why I wasn't getting much of a message for this Sunday. I did know that the Lord told me to have John share this. The story doesn't end here, of course. It doesn't end at the cross. I mean, that's it's awesome. That the cross happened is awesome. That God would do all this. But on Sunday morning, a long time ago, everything changed forever. Before that time, death was in charge. You see, man, we were given charge of the earth. And when we disobeyed God, we gave it in charge to someone else, the enemy of our souls, the devil, the fallen angel, the one who hates God and hates you. And so only a man could rightly come and get back that authority. That's why God couldn't just come. He couldn't just, he couldn't just say, I'm going to overpower. I'm going to, I'm going to choose to do something amazing. No, no. He says, no, I, I, I've handed this over to man. I can't, I can't change that. I can't just pull it back and say, I changed my mind because I'm God and I can do whatever I want. Well, God actually can't do whatever he wants. He can't do anything evil. He can't do anything wrong. He can't lie. And because of that, he said, I have to come as a man. And when he died as, and he, we lived as a man, he lived perfectly with no sin. And so then when he was killed, he was killed innocently. He never deserved to die. And so when Jesus died, and then the devil said, I'm going to take you to hell. You're going you're gonna to come into hell. And so Jesus said, wait a second, I'm coming in on my own accord. I'm coming in, and I'm going to take back the keys to death and the hell and the grave. What, and keys, what do they represent? They represent authority in the Bible. And so when Jesus did that, when he died for those three days that he was, he was dead, there was something going on in the spiritual realm. 
There is something going on in, in, the, in the realm that we, we can't see with our eyes, in the, in, the, in the other side of things, however you want to describe that. And it was the victory being won out because Jesus wasn't under control of anyone other than himself. And so when he went in to take the keys, he just said, thank you very much. <clears throat> Those are mine now. A man who was killed innocently, who did not belong, did not rightly belong in hell, could go in freely and take back what had been stolen. And then, on that third day, he was raised up to life. And so he came back from the dead, and it says that he appeared to his disciples for 40 days. There's one encounter in Luke uh, 24. You know, Jesus is risen from the dead. Real quickly, if you want to turn there. He rose from the dead. Everybody still see this? It says first that some women came to the tomb. Guess the men were sleeping. I don't know what they were doing, but it was the women that came to the tomb first, and they wanted to come anoint Jesus' body and do stuff for like burial and, you know, mourn a little bit. And so they came early in the morning, it says. And early in the morning they came and they, they, they saw this site and there was a stone that was rolled away and, and the tomb was, was opened up. And some of them saw, encountered angels where angels are speaking to them. And they come back and they tell the disciples. And the, 12, uh, the 11 disciples um, are bewildered. They don't know what to think. And so... Peter and John say, I'm going to run and look for myself. So it says, Peter and John run to the tomb. It says, Peter was faster than John. And he ran on ahead. They came in and they, and they looked at the, the, the cloth, the grave clothes that, that Jesus was wrapped in. And they wondered what had happened. And so all those things happen. You'll find that in, in the end of Matthew, Mark, and Luke and John, the last few chapters there. You can find all the different encounters. But then there's something that happens that's really amazing. One of my favorite encounters with Jesus after the resurrection, it said there was these two guys, and they were going from Jerusalem. They were kind of disappointed in what happened. They were hoping that Jesus was going to be the one, and then they, they, they said, that I guess we were wrong. And so they're walking, and then something amazing happens. It says that Jesus stepped up and began to walk beside them. And it says something interesting. It says that God kept them from recognizing that it was Jesus. And so they're talking with this guy, and he starts asking them some questions. Why are you so sad? And they're like, haven't you heard what happened? What things? And he says, no, what things? <laughs> and so they begin to talk. Let's, let's pick it up here. Uh, here I want to I want to read what they said. This is Luke 24. We'll just start in verse 18. It says, "One of them named Cleopas asked him, "Are you only a visitor to to Jerusalem, and do you do not know these things that have happened?" And he said, "What things?" He asked. "About Jesus of Nazareth," they replied. "He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death." And they crucified him, but we had hoped 
that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. It was kind of like in the back of their minds, they're like, the third day seemed important. I can't remember why. <laughs> you know, Jesus actually told his disciples, he, he told them what was going to happen. You know, have, you, has, have you ever had God just kind of tell you something and you still don't get it? I mean, so you're right there with the disciples. They're like, he's like, hey, guess what? I'm going to be handed over to the chief priests and they're going to crucify me. And then three days later, I'm going to come back to life. Okay. All right. All right. Here we go. And then it happens. It all happens. And they're like, three days, three days. And it's been three days. I don't know what was supposed to happen. I can't remember what was going to happen after three days. But it's been three days, so we're going home. We're going back to this town called Emmaus. It's like a seven, either a seven or a 17-mile walk. They, they don't know exactly which, you know, which, which part was actually Emmaus nowadays. But, so it was a long walk. Uh, and get this, verse 22. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. And so you'd think the third day was clicking in right now, right? All those women always seeing stuff, you know. (laughs) We might want to listen to women every once in a while, guys, you know. They might have some spiritual insight, okay? Sometimes they're, they're cluing into things before we are. And so, you know, they hear the amazing, they hear the testimony. They've seen, they've, here's somebody who's seen an angel, but they don't believe. They don't believe. And so Jesus says to them, how foolish you are. And how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ, the Messiah, have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And get this. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets. So in other words, he went to the start of the Bible. Moses would have been the first five books of the Bible. uh, And the prophets would be the rest of the, the scriptures after that, the Old Testament. It says, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. That must have been an awesome time for Jesus to walk you through and say, hey, here's me in the Old Testament. I'm, I'm throughout my, my picture, my, my truth, where I am, I'm, I'm all through this. I'm through the whole book. This whole book is pointing and about Jesus. So, <clears throat> excuse me, as they approached the village which they were going, Jesus acted as if he were going further. Jesus doesn't mind playing around with us. Have you noticed that? <laughs> what things? <laughs> he likes to have a little bit of good time with us, and he wants to lead us to truth however he can. But they urged him strongly, hey, stay with us. For it's nearly evening, the day is almost over. So he went in with them. Verse 30, it says, when he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, and broke it and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. And they asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? 
Then they got up. This is, remember, this is a long walk. They got up right then. They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. Never seen that before. They've been walking all day long. But once they encounter Jesus, they're like, I don't need sleep. I don't need rest. I may not even need food. I got to go back and tell somebody. They went back to Jerusalem. There they found the 11 and those with them assembled together. And they said, it's true. The women are crazy. Some of them are, but these ones weren't. There's crazy men too, right? The Lord has risen and has appeared to us, has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened in the way and on the way and how Jesus was recognized when he broke the bread. It says right after that, what happens? While they were still talking, Jesus appears in the room. He just appears, just shows up. And they're amazed. He says, peace. And he shows them his hands and his feet. He says, hey, this is me. In other words, I, I, was on, I was the one that was on the cross. You know, this is, you're not seeing something. You're not imagining this. You know, you're not making this up. You're, you know, you haven't been, you know, smoking something. This is the real deal. I'm real. Touch me. Give me something to eat. He eats in front of him. says, look, I can eat, I can eat a piece of fish. He says, I'm alive. And then it says, then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. You know, I, I have just a couple of quick thoughts before we, before we wrap up today. Is, is this, um, these guys were expecting something else from God. They had hoped that Jesus was going to bring a kingdom on the earth. And he had something so much better for them. God's vision all along, as John was just saying there at the end, was this. He wanted sons and daughters. You know, they, just, they were just looking for some comfort on earth. They were just looking to, to have a little bit better life. They were just looking to, you know, make it through and not be oppressed. Hey, if we could get these Romans out of here and just have our own country, we can have peace. If we can just have a nice country and have things the way we want them to have, then that's going to be enough. Look, that's, that wasn't God's plan. It wasn't just to have a nice country. Hey, we live in a nice country. It's been a little bit rocky in the last, you know, 10 or 12 years, huh? And we still live in a great country. If you haven't traveled the world, we're blessed. Just FYI. We're still blessed. We've got lots of issues, but we're blessed. And so, but God is not looking for us just to have a nice life, just to have a, have a good family, just to have a good job. No, he says, I want something more for you. And my plan was something greater, and it cost me my life. But I've come back that you might have that life. You might not just live here. You might live forever, but you might live here as if you're already living forever. That's the abundant life, and it's the life of a son or daughter of the king. That's, why Je- that's what Jesus, that's why he created everything. The, the father said, look, he looked at Jesus and he said, I want more like you. I want, I want sons and daughters. I want children that I can share my life with. And the only way to get there was the, for the sacrificial son of God, Jesus Christ, to come because we had chosen to reject God and we had chosen to run away from him and we are chasing after so many other things that don't matter. And then Jesus shows up and begins to walk next to them, begins to talk, and it says their hearts begin to burn. 
You know, in Romans 10 and verse 9, can we put that on the screen there, uh, Cooper? It's interesting that this scripture, there's a lot of scriptures that talk about how you can be, become a child of God, how you can be what many Christians, if you heard them say, be saved. You know, we are saved from sin. We are saved from ultimately dying forever. We are saved from hell through Jesus. But it says this, if you, if you confess or you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart, what? That he died on the cross? No, you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Because that's one of the craziest things ever. It's not just that God came and died, but then he didn't stay dead. You know, there's other people that have come back from death. There's been people that have died. I've even heard stories recently of people that have been dead for, you know, 40 minutes and then they get a heartbeat again. There's, there's stuff happening like that. There's medical miracles. There's, and they're God miracles a lot of the times, but they still happen. There's stories in the Bible where Jesus brought people back to life. One of them was a friend named Lazarus. He brought back after he'd been dead four days. But here's the deal. Every single one of those people still died again. But when Jesus came back to life, he's alive forever. He was raised up in a new way. And it says, if we believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, then we will be saved. And it says in Romans uh, chapter 6 that if you die, if you've been died with Christ, you're buried with him. But then in his resurrection, you're also raised up into new life with him. And so the life that Jesus lives, now we have access to because as we trust in him, I'm a son, I'm a daughter of the king. I have access to everything. If you've ever heard the story of the prodigal son in Luke chapter 15, it's an illustration of God's heart. And it says this, it says the son said, give me my inheritance from his father. And he went and squandered all of his father's money. And he started, you know, getting drunk. He started having prostitutes with his money and due to all kinds of stuff that was evil and wicked. And then one day he was out of money. And so he said uh, he tried to get a job. He wasn't making enough money. He was eating pig's food. I don't even know what pigs eat, but it can't be good, okay? It's not good, okay? Especially it wasn't good back then, okay? And so he's, he's there, and finally he says, you know what? I'm going to go back to my father. You know, my, the servants of my father's house... They at least have food and clothing. They have, they have shelter. So I'm going to go back, and I'm going to plead with my father, take me back. Take me back, and I'll be your servant. And it says, when the son was still far off, the father saw him. And it says he ran out to his son. And the son starts going into his religious speech. He starts going in, I'm going to do some good stuff now. I'll be your servant. I'll take care of your stuff. And his father just cuts him off and says, oh, you're my son. I love you. And he says, hey, guess what? Get the best robe. Clean him up. Get the ring. He has my authority. He He can do anything he wants under my jurisdiction. He has everything that I have. All my resources are his. All my power is his. All my influence is his. Give him the ring. He's my son. And it's by grace we have been saved through faith. It's not from ourselves. It's a gift from the Father. It says, too, in Romans 
chapter 4 and verse 25. Cooper put that one on the screen for us. It says he was delivered over to death for our sins, okay, so that our sins could be wiped away, but he was raised to life for our justification. What is our justification? That is our right standing with God. That is where we can now become a child of God, where we can, God can now look at us and say, you look perfect to me. You look amazing to me. You look just like I want. I want you with me. It doesn't matter what you've done. That's the good news. Not that I have to keep over. I am no longer a sinner by nature. I am a son. Or a daughter, if you're a lady. A child of the king. So I need to raise the level of my expectancy for what God is going to do in my life if I have trusted Jesus. We've told you how to trust Jesus. If you're here and you've never done that, you can do that anytime. You can grab one of us afterwards. You can do it on your home when you get home in your bedroom. But I encourage you, you have to believe in your heart. It's not in your head. It's not believing the facts. It's not saying, oh, I'm just going to believe that that's a true story. No, it's just something that goes on in your heart. Your heart will be begin to burn. Your heart will begin to stir. There'll be something going on inside of you because Jesus wants to show you that, that he's really still alive. And that's why we celebrate today that his life, his peace... His goodness is still flowing. And if we are a child of God, then now we're his representatives. You know, the son or the daughter kind of represents the family. You know, when they're out, you're like, hey, that's a, you know, when, when people saw my brother and I, they'd say, oh, those are, that's what the Wymores are like, whether that's good or bad. <laughs> hey, that's, that's, what the, that's how the Wymores act. That's the personalities of the Wymores. Hey, it's the same with us. When you're a son or daughter of the king, now when people see you, they go, oh, hey, that's, that's what Jesus looks like. And it's not on us to, like, feel guilty. Oh, man, I'm not doing a good job of that. It's like saying, no, I have access to everything God has. I can live like that. I can be different. I don't have to live on a low level of religion. I can live on a high level of relationship with God. Amen. One more scripture, and we're going to close. Romans chapter 8 and verse 11 says this, And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, that's the Holy Spirit John talked about, when you become a child of God, God's presence, his, his spirit himself comes and lives in you, if the Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his Spirit who lives in you. And so one thing we believe in this church strongly is we believe in the power of Jesus to heal. I believe it's one of the ways he shows that he's still alive, that it's not just a story, that God is living and active, that his word has power, and that his words in, in our mouths as children of God have power. So I want to I pray before we go if anybody needs healing in their body because we're going to believe that God's going to show up and do some healing to, this morning if it's needed. So anybody who needs healing, just lift up your hand. Anybody who needs healing, there's one, there's two, there's three, there's four, there's five, there's six. Anybody else? 
Okay, if you're not raising your hand, look around, find somebody that, that needs prayer. Go ahead and, and ask them what they need. We can be specific today. Ask them what they need prayer for and begin to pray. Uh, if you're not being prayed for, you can s- just pray quietly where you're at for those that are lifting their hands. Let God speak to you if you need to close your eyes and just, just kind of sit and, and, and process what he's doing in you. That's fine, too. Just take just a minute here as we, as we believe for the healing here in our bodies. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for your presence, God. Lord, for what you've done today. Thank you for encouraging our hearts. Thank you, Lord, for speaking to us. Thank you, Lord. <clears throat> if you're not being prayed for, hey, if you're praying, keep praying. If you're not being prayed for, let's stand up. Go ahead and stand up if you would. I just want to pray as we kind of close. And Thank you, Lord. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you that you came for us. Lord, and I would just pray right now that some of us, some of us need you to walk beside us. Just like this story, some of, some of us need you to explain some things to us. Some of us just need to hear your voice, Lord. We, and some of us need to have our hearts stirred again. We, our hearts have been dull. Our hearts have been foolish. Our hearts have been shut off to you. I speak to every heart and say, be awake right now to God. Be awake right now. Be awake. And, Lord, as you speak to us, Lord, let our hearts begin to burn. Let our countenance begin to change, Lord. Let our thoughts begin to change, Lord. We're going to have new life. We're going to have new hope. We're going to have peace. We're going to be encouraged, Lord. We're going to be empowered. And, Lord, we're going to have everything we need to do what you've called us to do. So, God, we thank you for that encouragement this Easter morning. Jesus, we honor you. You are the Lord, and you're the King. And we thank you that you came. And we thank you, Lord, that you didn't stay dead that you raise us up with you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, love on somebody. If you still need prayer for something,
Come on up. We'd love to pray with you. Enjoy the rest of your Easter day. Of your